Okay, good evening. Uh, welcome to Football 360. This is the first of a series of interviews uh, I'm going to be conducting with various people in the game. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Peniston Church Manager Ian Richards. Ian, uh, nice to see you, pal. And you, Kev. Thanks for having me on. No problems, no problems. Looking forward to it. So, um, your 11th season at Peniston Church, um, there's, uh, there's, I've read a lot about uh, you in, in uh, the various kind of media um, that I consume. Um, we've had a, a few conversations briefly before doing this, um, but I'm going to start with uh, a few questions just to get us warmed up. Um, so uh, just off script, uh, we'll start off with um, greatest team ever. Barcelona team uh, under Pep Guardiola. Uh, those four years, not only did they obviously win 14 out of 16 co uh, competitions, they also sort of revolutionised football in the in the last 10 years in a, in a different way of, of playing football, offensively and defensively. So it was, and, and people have tried, I suppose, to to imitate, if you like, that 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 way of playing, but it was built within the club from the culture time of uh, Johan Cruyff as well. So, yeah, brilliant to watch. And it was a time when La Liga was on Sky Sports and you just couldn't get enough of La Liga. So it was, it was superb. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd, I'd probably gone for the same one as well. OK, um, favourite player? Uh, growing up, Paul Gascoigne. That was the person I wanted to be in the playground. Just loved the, his energy and his, uh, the way he played from midfield, taking players on, very creative quite uh, unique for an English player in the yeah. uh, late 80s, early 90s. Real shame what's happened to him and just seen him in the media recently. But when you're an 11, 12-year-old growing up and you're a Spurs fan as well, it's just you, you couldn't get enough of Paul Gascoigne the way he played and that's where you used to try and, and be in the playground. Yeah, yeah, good, good. OK, um, slightly different question. You've got a one-off game. Um, you need a manager to get a result in that 90 minutes or in, in that one game. Who are you going to pick? Which manager in world football would you would you go for, either present or past? Uh, from a British point of view, Sir Alex Ferguson, just because of the longevity of success he had and the winning mentality and, yeah. and where he got the best out of his players um, to win those crucial games. Um, you're probably looking at serial winners, Jose Mourinho, if you want to defensively stopping another team playing and nullifying their threats. And then if you want to be real creative and expansive and and probably be, be a joy to watch as well as winning it, would be uh, Pep Guardiola's team. Um, but it's interesting, I think all three are bringing different approaches, but they all end up with the same result, very much win more matches and more, more competitions than they lose. Yeah, OK, good stuff, good stuff. And then finally, little known fact about Ian Richards that, that very, very few people would know. Um. I suppose because uh, you're based in Spain, uh, I, I went to two years worth of evening classes for Spanish to learn Spanish. Um, like it, it's one of those when you, if you don't use it, you lose it. At the time, me and my mate yeah. went a uh, good social event, and we enjoyed learning it. We I used to go on holiday quite a bit, uh, and then you stop stop practicing and learning, and it's become very rusty. I've got enough to walk into a Spanish lesson at school and. Uh, and say hello, how are you? Uh, thank you very much, and adios. So uh, that's, I, that's... I enjoy doing it, but um, if you don't use it, you lose it. To be fair, yeah, I get you. I get you. I feel your pain for a start off, and um, yeah, you've probably only got marginally less than I have, pal. So I <laughs> about it. 
Okay, um, thanks for that. So let's let's start off with uh, 11th, 11th seasons, or this is your 11th season, is that right? This is my 11th, yeah. Fantastic. So um, unusual in that respect, you've, you've picked up a lot of plaudits and had a lot of success in that time, but tell us a little bit about you know your, your background, how you ended up in that role 11 years ago and um, and why you stayed so long in the role. Um, I've always, from a young from a young boy, I've always been passionate and obsessed with football. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have the choice of professional clubs to sign for at 15. I chose Blackburn Rovers at the time. Uh, Kenny Dalglish, mid-90s, signed the year they won the Premier League. Uh, state-of-the-art facilities. Kenny Dalglish took me, me and my family out for a meal. Um, real personal touch. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have six years in the game. But, uh, Blackburn Rovers, Halifax Town, where I made 40 league appearances and then uh, went abroad and played in New Zealand. I was unfortunate that injury sort of curtailed my, my career, so I've had, I've had six operations, uh, but I had my knees uh, at Blackburn and then Halifax and going to New Zealand, so I got my love and my passion for the game back. So I went that and then I, I signed up at university, uh, sporting exercise science, played semi-professionally sort of National League North with Bradford Park Avenue and then what is now the Bet Victor Northern Premier League. Who, who was the Bradford Park Ave gaffer when you were there? Uh, it was Trevor Stoughton. Trevor Stoughton, I see. Yeah. Um, really, really old school in everything he did, but again, got the best out of us. A really good group of players. Uh, it was it was interesting because obviously you go for Blackburn where everything was done for you. Um, state of the art, treat well, we got to Youth Cup final, we won our Youth Premier League, which had Man United, Liverpool, Everton. Wow. Teams with Damien Dove, James Beattie, David Dunn, Damien Johnson, Martin Taylor. So players who have gone on and had great careers some, in the game. Some, some names in there. So that's yeah. a very, very good team that you were schooled in. Yeah, and what they were trying to do is get the best young players from the north uh, and then try and stop that they were spending a lot of the top end and bring those through. And it, it sort of worked. And they lost their way a little bit um, sort of after Roy Hodgson's time. Yeah. But we went to Halifax Town and we were training at a, a Crick, Ellen Cricket Club. We had to wash his own kit, clean your own booze. It was very much uh, sort of saw the other side of it. And I, it took me a bit to adjust, but then I, I did really well, broke in the first team, uh, played 40 games and had a bad injury. And it was Mark Lewis to start off with. Yeah. And it was Paul Bracewell in the finish. And he picked it up at a bad time financially. They spent too much money on um, renovating the stadium. And yeah. they had to least 16 well 18 of the 21st team squad um and i'd have my knee injury um and you think right is it you fall out with the game a little bit and then got the opportunity by an english guy who watched halifax who coached out there asked me to go out there when you go out there you're like you are the equivalent of well in in england the cricket you have your semi-pro cricketers and then you have sort of one or two overseas of your pros over yeah. there Football's the same. Football's about fourth in terms of sport. It's the rugby codes, cricket, uh, that are one, two, and three. And then yeah. football's fourth. So they had the team I was with was Lower Hutt City, which was in Wellington, the capital, and me yeah. and a lot from Chile, uh, Pedro Garcia. Didn't speak a word of English, but we had a great relationship and understanding of football. I played in midfield and he, he was up front and used to, we just used to link up and he, he was a natural goal scorer. And, and we had the, we had a, uh, an ex-New Zealand international who's the captain uh, and we did really well we finished second in the league and we won, won the cup um, and I looked at staying out there but it was too expensive to do the degree as an international student so I came back 
And at 22, I had eight years semi-professionally, Bradford Park Avenue and Stocksbridge Park Steels. And, and Stocksbridge, I started there as a junior, as a, as a nine-year-old. So it, it meant a lot to me. And that's where I sort of built that loyalty and, and, and passion for playing for a community club I had connections with. Then at 30, 30 my, knees, my knees packed in and I went to, I came out of the game and Penniston just asked me, because that's where I grew up, that's my home home village, if you like, I went to school there. Yeah. And my brother was in a position where he, he'd not had a good experience at Stocksbridge and decided to walk away. And the offer he not, not had a good experience in non-league football because he used to play with me. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, and to be fair to him, he he really took to non-league. He he was at Goulburn and Frickley and he played every game. He didn't mind travelling. And he was, a, as a manager, you look back, as a manager, you, you need players like that who yeah. are captain at Penniston. I'll go on to that later. But our captain at Penniston, he's that type of player. And that's why he's my captain. He will get, he will do anything and everything to win a football match. And he leads by example on the pitch. Yeah. So my brother was that type of player. Um, right. And then I, I came out at, at 30 and got the opportunity to manage at Penniston. I just thought, well, if management's for me, Let's start at a lower level than I've ever played. It was step seven, hometown, give something back and see where it takes me. And it was a bit of a, a sleeping football club. It was, it was well run off in that it was, it was ticking over, no debt, nothing. But it, they were happy to have uh, two teams, basically. A first team in County Senior Premier Division, which is the, the regional step seven, and then just have a reserve team playing. Um, and we quickly went in there the first two years and, and changed the culture and the ambition and, and brought lads we knew from playing non-league, semi-pro, and they helped us change the culture. And then we had a group of young lads, local community lads, who we brought through. And in the third season, the club said to us, look, we're back here. We want to go up to, to semi-pro level NCL. Mm-hmm. And we came across, <laughs> for those two seasons, we came across Shawlane Aquaforce. We're now defunct, but we're, we're throwing huge money at it. Yeah. Aversley Rec, who had Jeff Horsfield invest, investing in them, which helped. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's from Aversley. started there. So I think he gave yeah. a bit back to his community that way. Yeah, I, I know he used to play. I mean, I know he played at Guys in one of my old clubs, and um, I know he's he's got you know some kind of you know a, a foot in non-league football. But I, I didn't know he'd put money in at Aversley. That's interesting. Yeah, and then then Hansworth as well. They went up and are doing well at step five. So we had to. We had. It was a third to so our fifth season that got us promoted. But then these last five seasons, the club has just grown on and off the pitch, and it's just more and more ambitious, more and more uh, competitive. Culturally, it shifted completely. We right. had the FA Bars game at the at the the weekend we had 493 watching and there was right. other local clubs who didn't have an, even have half of that yeah. um, so that's a hell of a crowd hell of a crowd for that an early early stage in the bars as well it's not we're not we're not down to sort of last 16 or anything yet are we so. no we're not on bridlington are two hours away so it's not as if they brought 100 so no, no. Uh, it, so so that's where it's gone from, really. And we've just been fortunate that we've, we've had uh, two pr- promotions, five cup finals, uh, winning four of them, uh, runners-up last season, um, finishing third. Like Just little things like, at step five, we were third highest scorers, scoring 112 goals in our, our nearly three a game. So little things like that bring your publicity. And, and, and I think just because of way... We conduct ourselves and because of my loyalty and, and, and how we focus on the community and, and we've still got a core group of local lads. And social media, if you do things right, can 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 bring you to the fore. And 
in that time, I've turned down three opportunities to manage clubs at a higher status or higher profile. Um, and that's not because I'm not ambitious. It's because I feel at the moment we've still got progress to make with Penniston. And, and I'm, I'm getting closer now where I want to go manage at the next level and hopefully I can do that with Penniston. But if not, there's five or six clubs in our sort of, well, it's sort of the radius of where I'd like to manage. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a position where I can get to sort of other side of York in an hour, other side of Nottingham in an hour. So I've got quite a big radius, but there's yeah. only five or six clubs that I'd realistically leave uh, Penniston for. Not None at the level we're at now, step five, and only one potentially at the league above. You're looking two leagues above and beyond that. So, um, and because my family's young, it's got to be right. It's got to be a right fit. So at the moment, Penniston is the right fit. We've started well. We're in the top five. Um, we've got the strongest squad we've ever had. I think last season we had a 13 and you picked any 11th that 13 and it was as good as anything. This year we've got, I think, 18, 19. Uh, so if we do get injury suspensions or we do have a lot of back-to-back -back games or, or backlog games because of weather, we've got the squad to be equipped for it. So I'm really confident in, in what we can achieve this season. Real balance of, of youth and experience. Real balance of pace uh, and physicality going forward. Real real balance of, of, of exciting uh, young lads, but also two centre-halves who, who know who probably accrued a thousand games between them, so know um, what it's like to win uh, consistently. So, yeah, we're excited about the season ahead. Um, I think now, the, the, without the national competitions, you now can really focus on the league and you have a run of league games where you build that momentum. Um, you can really move forward quickly in the league. Um, and I think there's eight teams who are probably in our position who think, right, we can get one of those top three spots. Um, and, and if you're talking about budget, that's one thing the club haven't done. It's one thing I, I, I've not really got frustrated with. You, you find it hard in the summer when you're trying to replace or recruit or enhance and teams are wanting, offering triple what we can in our league. But you've just got to deal, play with the, the hand that you dealt and the club's always been honest and we have a really good system and a model that works. Uh, we have a, an incentive scheme, if you like, so there's a, a small win bonus for everybody from from anybody in the management team to number 16 in the squad. So it's everybody in it together. And then there's only £30 in the lowest paid and the highest paid. Um, so when they sit in that change room, they know there's nobody in there who's getting double everybody else, triple everybody else. They're all similar wage. Okay. But also, also they get, we pay them per game because I value the midweek game as much as I value the Saturday game. And I've, I've been with some pros when I played, who who, who would play every Saturday but may miss the odd midweek or away because they're still getting the same money. So yeah. it's a model that works really well and, and, and that's why when we sign, not many play, players leave us. Um, and that's why we've still got a core group of six or seven Penniston lads who, who were captain and, and three others have been with me eight or more years. So uh, That's really interesting. Re really interesting that you've... Um, you know, the traditional model in terms of raising the budget and go out and get four or five big hitters and then fill in a little bit around them and throw a few quid at the bottom end for, for kids who are going to sit on the bench or whatever. Um, I don't hear that many managers um, really go to great lengths to rethink it a little bit. I mean, I, uh, one example I discussed with the chairman once when, when I was uh, I was coaching was 
I'd actually like to take some money out of the budget and put it into insurance and medical care and, and yeah. gym type stuff rather yeah. than in the players' pockets um, because then you find out who's really keen to be the best that they can be, knowing the benefits that that could bring. But I, I haven't heard so much about you know the, the type of thinking outside the box a little bit like you're, you're demonstrating you're clearly doing um, at other clubs, and I think that's, uh, that's really interesting and admirable that you're doing it. Yeah, and, and it puts us probably 12, 13, I guess, in terms of the budget. Um, but it, but it, I, it creates a, a spirit and a togetherness that, that I think gets you 15 points a season. Just because you, everyone's in it together, everyone knows that we're all equal. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and it works really well. And, and it works, again, in terms of management team, um, Two of the two of my team, Andy Ring and, and my brother, obviously still registered as players, but they don't get extra money as a player and as a manager. They get just paid a set money, whether they're, they're involved in the sixteen or outside of the sixteen. Yeah. And, the, and the chairman and the, and the secretary they understand that. So some weeks when they're not in the sixteen, it might increase that weekly pay. But I'm saying they're just as important as part of my management team as they are part of the sixteen. Yeah. So it's very much that equality of of everybody um, working and pulling in the same direction. Um, and, it, and it was it was a bit of thinking outside the box, right? We, we, first two seasons at NCL level, we didn't have a budget. Uh, we had just win bonus. Five, it was £5 a point. Right. And, then, and then when we went up to NCL Premier, that's when uh, we got a budget. And it was just when we played Grimsey away midweek in the, before we won the playoffs. Um, and we lost 3-0. And some lads travelled two hours after work, got back at midnight, and they didn't get a penny because we hadn't won, so they didn't get a penny. And I said to, to Dave Hampshire, the secretary, I said, look, we, we need to look at a budget. Not not be a lot, but ne I never want a player to be out of pocket for playing football for us. Yeah. Um, and then we unfortunately got promoted and we won the, we did the double with the cup and, and we sat down and said, right, how can we make it that we don't have this uh, disparity between players? And we just came up with this model and we've, we've gone with it and it's, it's worked well. Um, yes. and, and players, just to give you an example, um, a local team, or two local teams, one in our league who are not doing as well as, as they previously had and a team in the league below, are looking for players and they asked about some players in, who aren't who are on the fringes of us and I spoke to those players last night and they just said, we want to stay, we want to fight for his place. Um we, we, we believe something special is happening here. We, we'd rather be in this position and be patient and wait for our chance. Um, and it just gives an example that they can go elsewhere, get first-team football, get paid more, but they like the environment that they're playing in. Um, both about 25, 26, so they're probably thinking, I can keep developing here and I'll get that opportunity. So um, it's nice things like that, that that make you feel that you're doing things right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of rubber stamp in your, your method, isn't it? It's... Um... You know, it's, it's proving that, that it gets results and it gets buy-in from players. And you've got to differentiate, right? If you if you don't have a pot of money that you know that's pretty much bottomless, then you've got to find find ways to differentiate yourselves from other clubs. It sounds like you're doing it. So, okay. Um. So, I mean, fantastic. It, clearly, you you value the community um, aspect. That you know, the fact that you, obviously that you've got really close ties, family-wise, history-wise, and. You know, you're, you you think you've got an unfinished business there before you potentially move on, and it, it it's kind of explains a lot. I think you know, for people on the outside who are listening to this and don't really know a huge amount about you, apart from 
the the performances, the results, and the progress that you've shown. It's uh, it's really interesting to hear how you've done it and some of your kind of core kind of beliefs and and your methods, I guess. Um, to go into that in a bit more detail, can you describe a, a week in the, in the life of uh, the, you know Ian Richards as a, as a manager of Peniston Church? How does it how does it go from from the end of a game on a Saturday to the end of the game the following Saturday? Please, can you can you just give us some insight into your, your training? You, you, you know what you do when you're at home, what you do uh, in terms of preparation and and, and uh, preparing for matches, how you train and, and, and how you set that up. Because um, I'm I'm very interested in in the method, in um, the preparation processes, in any details that I can learn about, regardless of anyone else who who's interested and enjoying listening to you speak. I, I'd I'd love to know that. Yeah, first and foremost, you've got to be 100% committed. It is, um, I feel, if you can do it justice and you want to do yourself um, justice, you've got to commit 100%. So after a game, um, you you know you do your post match. We do a post match interview, and I try and just have a couple of hours uh, with my my friends who I'm my brother and and three other lads who are really good friends of mine, but part of my management team and the players. Yeah. So a couple of hours with them. Then I'll go home. Um, I try and stay off social media as much as I can on that night. I try and have some time with, with my wife, but it's very hard to switch off. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really hard. So Saturday night, I won't do. I might Saturday night even. I, I will send finding out how, how the game's gone or the situation. I might I may send text messages to lads. I try not to ring players on Saturday night because that's their night. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I was a player. I used to play Saturday, have a few beers, go out and enjoy yourself. But I might send an old text if somebody's not had the game they wanted or just to just to reinforce how well they've played. Um, and then Sunday morning, usually is my, my I switch off. It's one of the two times I switch off. So Sunday morning, I switch off and then I'll start planning Sunday. Um, if we've got a midweek game, I'll start planning for that midweek game. If we've got the following Saturday, I'll start planning for the training. I'll start thinking about um, squad and then the team. Um, I will then uh, so if, say, say if we haven't got a midweek game we're training I'll send out um, the text to the players on the Monday about training um, and then Sunday night Monday I'll do some research on the team we're playing the following Saturday luckily with social media and knowing this league really well I know players I know way teams play so I'll yeah. think about uh, how they're going to play the players we've got to to watch and then how we're going to set up and that'll inform training on the the Wednesday at the moment. We only have two contacts a week, so that's either two two games, no training, or one game, one training. Right. Just because of players, uh, other commitments and young families, um, but then we make sure that training is, is full, high intensity, high tempo, and has a function and a purpose to it. So, for example, um, say take this week, Monday I did my research, Tuesday I spoke to a couple of managers who were interested in our players, spoke to a couple of players of us and then went and planned the training session Wednesday. Uh, we train. Uh, we've, got the, we've got the bonus that we have great facilities at the football club. So we've got, if we want to train on grass, we can do. We can turn the floodlights and train on grass. But we've got a, a floodlit astroturf so the weather doesn't stop us training. Wow, that's fantastic. I, I didn't know that. No, it's, it's a great size as well. So you can do functional stuff on there. So... Uh, last night we've got faculty Saturday, so um, faculty are much improved. Know exactly how they play. They want to play out from the back, from the keeper. They conceded two goals this season from 
losing the ball, losing possession close to their own goal. So we worked on things so how to win the ball back high up the pitch um, and then break quickly on them. But they also do like to play through football. So we looked at how to be compact and, and, and find it hard to break down. And we win it to break very quickly, um, to counter-attack quickly, to transition quickly. So we set up some some uh, uh, activities last night, that, that drills that focused on that. Uh, and obviously you only have short period doing it, but it's just, you're, taught, you're giving the commentary, right, faculty will do this, this is how we're going to set up, this is how we're going to do it. So when we win it, we're going to go here. Um, we're going to try the win ball. So you, you just, you, you, you're organising your session about the team that's coming up on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And who's delivering this? You or Donk? So okay. he'll do the first 20 minutes. He'll do um, warm-up basic ball work. And then I'll take uh, the functional stuff for 40 minutes. Then my brother will do the small-sided games or the end, end drill or end activity at the end. But I really like to be hands-on because yeah. I don't much contact really focus on on what what I want but also my brother still likes to join in with the training so yeah. I want to, to join in so it's a really good balance it works well um, and I, I and I just say to him look one hour or 40 minutes right 40 minutes of hard work high intensity stuff there'll be no just traditional running involved as long as you work at your maximum and, and the players respond really well and we'll have a little bit of a debrief uh, not a lot and then Tonight, like which is Thursday, uh, that's when I do a do majority of my work. So I've spoken to the two players who are not in the sixteen. Um, I've confirmed the sixteen with with the the players who are in, um, and then I've started looking at, at set pieces. I've started looking at uh, sort of the game plan and getting that down on paper. Um, Two reasons, really. One is because if we do have somebody fall out, um, drop out, or there's an issue, yeah. uh, I still got Friday, Saturday morning to sort, so it reduces yeah. that stress. Uh, it, and, and two, it allows players to then who are involved to prepare, so they don't know the eleven, but they know they're in the sixteen. And, and, and really, it's, I try and have Friday as a bit of a downtime as well. That all preparation is done, and I can spend a bit of time with my wife and me, me two boys because. I've obviously worked a, a demanding job and I've done that. So I like Fridays and then Saturday mornings, I take my bro uh, little boy to his little football training. He's only three and he loves that. And yeah. we go and breakfast together. Um, and then we try, if, it's, if we're at home, three o'clock kickoff, I try and get there for, for one o'clock. So I've got half an hour before the players get there. Uh, the players get there at half past one. They have 20 minutes together in the, in the clubhouse. Uh, there's a game on. I let them banter. I, I make sure everything's set up in the change room with, with Pete, who's my sort of right-hand man. He does all the prep. He makes sure the drinks, any gels, the kit, the tape, everything they need. He takes care. When he came on board, it was I said, look, Pete, our job is to create the conditions and the environment so there's no excuses, there's no barriers from playing well. I'll do the football inside. You do the non-football inside. Um, players then will come and see Ruth, our physio. Um, my brother will set up the warm-up. Uh, players come in at 10 to 2. We sort of have 15, 20 minutes, depending on how much detail I want to go into. Going through a bit of generic stuff, motivational stuff, but then real specifics of how they'll play, how we're going to play. Use, I, I, this season, I'm using tactics board more than more than ever. 10 past to 20 past, they have 10 minutes themselves, and at 20 past, they start the warm-up with, with Dunk. I'll, I'll, when I get their team, I'll put that on a, a whiteboard, how I think they'll play, little bit of personal information on each player. 
So when players come in and set pieces are up, so they're coming at quarter two and they have six, seven minutes themselves, set pieces are up, information on that team are up, uh, so they can look in their own time. And then at 51, 52, we sit down and it's the last bit of information on, on, on set piece and the other team. And then I'll decide, if Dunk says warm-up was a little bit flat, then I might go more motivational, a little bit more, a bit louder. If Dunk yeah. says... Dunk says that the, the warm was they were spot on, they were brilliant. I'll keep it calm, I'll keep it poised and composed. If, um, if for example, I feel they're a little bit too tense, I'll try and, and break that tension a little bit. Uh, just so it's just, and that comes with experience of doing it, really. uh, not overloading that last bit. And then I shake every player's hand as they walk out, and then it's over to them. Um, and in the game, I am active and I am vocal, but I'm, I'm more very positive and quick short sharp feedback information and then um half time they come in a couple of minutes themselves my, my brother does the first part he sort of reflects on the first half and i go off the back of his sort of his his feedback to the players at half time and i normally look forward so i look forward to what we can do better or what we're going to do to manage the game or to get back into the game or to control yeah. the game or to see it out so he sort of reflects I say that that happened. This is why we're going to do it differently. Second half. So again, that just comes with experience. Works well. Um, don't talk for the full fifteen unless I feel it's benefit. Give them a couple of minutes. Uh, what they need, they might go out a bit earlier. Second half, and then after the game, we're trying to have this where we meet in the middle, win, lose or draw. They walk off together. If obviously, because support's increasing, we 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 thank the the, the supporters who were there. Yeah. Yeah. I do a little, little bit of a debrief after. I try not to. I, I make sure that's not emotive. Um, it's something I've learned. Managers have had in the past. You could be winning one nil, and you've had the your performance being shocking, and the yeah. back at half time. You say, "Really, we need a rollick in here," or you're losing. It's just been un, unlucky in front of goal, or they've the scored a fluke or a mistake, and the manager will go crazy. So I try and keep emotion out of it. Yeah. yeah. And just keep it simple. Let them enjoy the weekend, and then at the training or before the next game, that's when I'll sort of reflect on that game and build on it for the next one. So there's only two points: Sunday morning and Friday evening, where I try and switch off. The rest of the time, there is something going on, whether it's one-to-one -one with players, whether it's speaking to other managers, whether it's research, preparation, planning, whether it's reflection, evaluation. Um, and in the in, in the close season, it's the same. It's more and more and more now because we get higher profile. More and more people are trying to sign our players. Therefore, you're trying to recruit to replace or enhance. So, it's you have to enjoy what you do, and you you can't ever resent the time because it's my my passion, my activity. Uh, that's what I do for a hobby, an interest, um, and 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 if. Anything I want to do, I want to do it 100%. So you have to commit that amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, so much detail there. Be eye opening to people who, who aren't used to um, a decent like, level of football and the preparation that goes into it these days because it's certainly times, change, times have changed and uh, there was preparation back in the day. But I think these days everyone's a bit more educated and uh, there's, certainly, there's certainly more of a. Um, more detail and, and, and coaches understand, you know, where they can get gains in terms of marginal stuff. But, you know, what, you, what you've gone through there is really interesting. I'm sure it'll open a, a lot of people's eyes to just how how full on it is managing it at, at step 
step five in the non-league pyramid and, and, and in the non-league game. It's, it's run more professionally than perhaps the professional what game was 25, 30 years ago. No, it is, and it hasn't always been like that with us. We've sort of tried it, and we just feel the players now are in a position where, don't get me wrong, the team spirit and the banter and the togetherness and the culture is, is high, and that's priority number one. We've yeah. got to enjoy what they're doing. Um, so, for example, with our last two end-of-season dues, they've been abroad, and 18 out of the 20 of, of the squad have gone, including management team. So, there's that yeah. together. So we want that team spirit, and we want people to enjoy what we're doing, but we feel that we're in a position now, and the players want it, I think, because they, they're, they're hungry to improve and progress, where we go into a little bit more detail. Uh, yeah. And it might be that set pieces I'll only go through the, the corners four corners against or there's others and I think right we need to go through a little bit more and I'll go through three kicks and I'll go through throw-ins for example or I might not put anything too much on, up on the opposition because I, I'm focusing on us I want to focus yep. on us I don't want to worry about them if we do our individual jobs and our, our, our collective jobs we'll win the game so don't get me wrong it, it balances and I might leave players alone and I might not speak to a player until the training session so you, 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 you've got to have, I think you've got to have an underlying principle to what you do, but be very fluid and flexible and, and adaptive depending on the situation. Because if you're not, players then become a little bit switched off, switched off, switched off, switched off. Players, well, you're just saying the same things and we're playing a team that played 3-5-2 or we're playing a team who who are very physical and go direct, but you're saying the exact same thing. So the players have got to, we hear different things as well. Um, so yeah, I agree. Yeah. When you've been, it comes to experience, I think. When you've been a manager at a club for eleven years, you're obviously pretty good at keeping it fresh, Ian. Because um, yeah. I think anyone, anyone who's ever coached, anyone who's ever managed, anyone in almost any job who's managed people, you know, the same voice. You know, everyone has a tolerance level. Everyone has a, a lifespan in that in that role. If they don't change something about it and keep it fresh and you know, I'm sure you've changed the, the dressing room, the dynamics of the team over that 11 years. But um, you've got to, you've got to have a pretty good gauge. You must have a good instinct for keeping it fresh and for keeping it relevant and for keeping players interested and motivated. Yeah, it is, and that that comes from my passion uh, in football and my desire to get better. Um, and I was thinking that last night at training, um, I must have done this uh, session, possession session, and pressing session. A number of times, and I just lost me my train of thought to pick the three uh, the three groups I wanted to go together and why I wanted to go together. And and you, I think I was thinking, I think, right, I, yeah, I was disappointed in that. And I think you've done that before. And you, what you've got to try and do is not get stale and get complacent, and 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 not take it too seriously. You have a laugh at it, and the lad was still were giving me banter back. And I thought, it's that it's that respect they've got, mutual respect we've got that they can still give me that bit of stick yeah. as much as. Give them, and then we started it. And the, and the first round of it, the, the first three minute part, they, they weren't on it as much. And I just said, right, if you stop, no more morning, right? It's, we're, we're high intensity now. We've got forty minutes of hard work to make sure we're ready for Saturday. And instantly, you could just see that change. So, yeah. and I'm thinking as I walk away, I'm thinking that's come from me not being as sharp as I should be. Therefore, the first three-minute part of it wasn't as sharp as it should have been. Yeah. It's just yeah. little things like that that you think, right, you've got to keep yourself fresh. You've got to keep yourself sharp. You can't get complacent. You've got to not take it too serious sometimes. You've got to allow players to have that banter with you at the right times and the right moments. So, um, 
yeah, I th- I'm, 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 I'm proud of, of how I've been able to do that and continue to do that and continue to to improve every season in, in what we do. And when I look out on the pitch, I see an improved performance and, and, and setup, if you like, than I did the previous season. And that's always my driver. It's not, right, we must get 85 points to win the league this year. We must go one better than win it. It's right. How are we going to be better than last season? Right, we need a de- uh, more depth in the squad. Right, we need to be uh, a little bit more compact in his own half. Uh we need to do this. So it's like thinking, right, how can we do that and keep trying to progress, uh, focus on on the process rather than focus on the product and the end and the end game. Yeah. Focusing on the process to get there. So um, that's something I've, I've learned and, and I enjoy doing. Good, good, mate. It's, 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 re- it's really interesting to hear, hear how you go about it. Um, let's look into the future a little bit then. So you've obviously got unfinished business at Peniston Church, but... Um, there will come a time, no doubt, when you move on. Where, where, what's your ideal club? Where, what, what you said before, you've almost identified certainly a, a location, a, um, an area that, that you know within which you, you would like to, to manage in terms of the club and the catchment area and what have you. But what, what sort of club are we are we looking at? And I don't want names, but I'm, I'm talking about a description of a club, the level, the type of club it is. You know, what what, what are you looking for as an ideal job? You know, in the future, and I'm not trying to trying to get you out of there quickly and, and put you in a shop window because I know you've got business to get on with at the moment. But no, um, it, it's got to be first and foremost, it's got to be a club and a, and a chairman and a committee that values align with my values and principles and belief align with mine. Um, Do you think you're going to find one better than Peniston for that? No, I don't, and I think because of that. Um, relationship I've got with the club and because of and, and Dave Hampshire the how supportive and trustworthy he is and he sees what we've done in terms of not just performance on the pitch but culturally and help the club get where it should be um, it allows me that space there's never ever been any pressure um, but it's something like that where you've got that time to, to develop um, obviously the higher you go you have less time but you yeah. don't want to go. I don't want to go to a club where they have previously they've had three managers in one season, because that means that as soon as you have two, three bad performances or f- results, they're looking at the next manager rather than saying, right, how can I support you to t- change these these results around? I appointed you, therefore I'm trusting you. What do we need to do together? And that's what sort I want. I want a club a bit like Penningston, that it's a community club. It's got a strong fan base and potential to go higher so it might be a club that dropped down into the northern premier uh the victor northern premier league uh, so like step three but really should be uh national league north so a little yeah. bit of lost way and just need a little bit of direction and a bit of a uh, cultural shift a cultural change or it could be um a club that um a club that uh uh, again, like I say, just one league above, but have got are ambitious and, and have a clear vision where they want to be in, in three years and five years, and they want me to be that manager to take them there. So they might be willing to see that time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they give that time and the trust and the backing of that. I'm not the budget doesn't interest me. It's got to be a competitive budget, but I've never been, had a budget where it's been in the best or in the top ten in the league. So I feel uh, I'm confident I can work within any. Any financial? Uh, what, what, what would you? What would you do? Just out of interest, 
if uh, if someone come along and give you uh, let's say three grand a week now, which you know a rough idea of what budgets are in the Northern Premier League and the North East Counties and what be three grand a week on top of what you got now, um, which would put you probably the top budget in the league by comfortably. Um, what would you do with it? Just out of interest. What would I do at Penniston? Uh, I would reward the players already there. I'd reward them. Um, uh, and then I, I'd look. I wouldn't look at high-profile players on the way down. I'd look at the best players at our level or the level before who were hungry, like the players I've signed, hungry to go higher. So I'd look yeah. to sign those type of players. Um I don't think we we need much um, to, work, to to compete right at the top, um, but obviously with that money, I wouldn't. I treat it like it was my own. So I think I've got this money. I'm just going to chuck it about. Right, I've got this money, and this I'm use it as a backup. So say we get an injury to a key centre forward, I would invest in a centre forward, but I wouldn't change from our model. I'd increase players' wages to reward them. But alongside that, I might say, right now, I expect us to have three contacts a week. So we're going to train twice a week and play on a Saturday. So I'm increasing yeah. your financial reward, but I'm increasing the commitment I expect from you. So the balance is there. Um, there's a couple of, don't, don't get me wrong, Kev, there's three or four players at our level who, who, show, who are playing two, two leagues below themselves. Um, yeah. and, I, and I would look at interest in signing those. Um, we, there's some, there is some really, really good players, and because of the finances now, and because we're three going up, teams are really going for it this year. And you've got players who are playing short term below themselves, probably to hopefully go play higher. So it's it's an interesting question because I, I, it's a bit harsh. <laughs> it's a bit harsh putting you on the spot like that. To be fair, um, but you've answered it really well, really well. Yeah. And it is, and like say, going back, like play higher and uh, sorry, manage higher. Um, I would still keep a model that kept that parity and kept that equality and kept that togetherness in the changing room. With money, it can bring more problems. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you've got to. You don't get me wrong. You've got to go for uh, strikers going to score your thirty goals within you what you want. You've got to go for a, a captain that's going to drive your players and lead by example. You're looking at your spine again. You're looking at one, two centre halves will give you that experience. Who love defending and know how to defend, have that experience. And a goalkeeper who's gonna who's gonna get you, say, um, win your points, not just save your points. Um, right. So you do look at spine. And then I like to have a bit of. We've got this here is a bit of creativity um, that when a game's tight can produce something from nothing, and that, and that does cost a bit more money. So it'd be yeah. a same model. If I went higher, uh, you're just working with players who have played at a higher level um, and players who are getting play paid more money. So, um, yeah, I, I'd want, I want, I, like I say, I'd love to go, I'd love to go step, get a at step three um, and have that opportunity there. Um, I feel I'm ready for that. I think I've proven myself to manage at that level. I think I have the the, the skill set and the knowledge and the, the experience and the, the track record of, of winning. Um, to do that, like for example, that last season, in terms of all the NCL clubs at step five and step six, we we had the most points across the the uh, the year, so 2018. Therefore, yeah. it shows the consistency we can produce, and at, and at our level, it's very much about consistency. It's yeah, not about sure. the 
team in August and September when the pitches are nice and the weather's nice. And then in the last month when the weather gets nice, it's a consistency, whether it's in August, January or March. And we, we've, we're very, very good at that. And our record proves that. So, yeah, I'd like to have that opportunity um, to manage. I'd like, I'd like to think I could go to step three and, and go from there. Because my principles I'm, won't... I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut across you. What about, uh, what about the full-time game? Do you think that's realistic? Think it's a possibility? Would you want to do think, it? Uh, I've had this conversation with my wife and she's recently will be very supportive. We'd look how we do that. I think now, when I, when I used to play, when you used to play, there was no full-time clubs in, in the conference or the league no. below. Now you've got full-time clubs in National League North, National League South. You've got huge clubs like York City, Stockport County, who are Chester, who are in National League North. Yeah. Um, clubs there who are full-time. And you've got clubs in the National League who are full-time, but not just full-time, but paying players very very good wages to play football in what is seen as the top non-league league um, division so yeah that that is something I'd, I'd love to um, love to do um, we've not mentioned them but you use you use the Cowley brothers as sort of a uh, a yardstick and something that you, you, you aspire to. I don't know what you're talking about I've never mentioned them in my life I'm, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> no yeah well, oh 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 off the uh, the video, we, we must have talked about them for a good half an hour because we've both got real interest in what they've done and, and how yeah. they've done that. Um, and that amazing. is, and we've talked about this, that, that could be a one-off. But then you think, right, Graham Potter started at step five and now he's managing uh, Brighton. And there'll be others down south who have done similar. So you've got to have, you've got to have aspiration and ambition. And if you fall yeah. short fall short a good level um, and and there's no we talked about this there's no secret to how they've done it it's been hard work meticulous attention to detail uh, and, and sacrifice really haven't they they've sacrificed short term to get this long term success and now managing one of the biggest clubs in championship absolutely well I mean I, I, people viewing this might not know but you, you're a teacher obviously you, you your brother is your assistant manager um, so there's um, there's some there's some similarities. You're managing at the same level that they started, or that Danny started at, at Concord Rangers, um, yeah. with with Nicky as player manager, uh, sorry as player player coach, or as a, as a player in that in that group. So there's a lot of similarities. Um, they're not a million miles away from you geographically now, down the road at Huddersfield. So I, I dare say they'll have a lot of influence on a lot of people that you know at the club and and in and around the local community because. Uh, you know, I'm sure Barnsley's, you know, a, 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 you know probably you'll be more Barnsley fans, I'm assuming, where you are, but Huddersfield's not a million miles away. No, it's interesting. We've got Barnes and Sheffield Wednesday. We have a few Sheffield United fans, but our, our club secretary, Dave Hampshire, has mentioned he's a Huddersfield Town fan and one or two others. Yeah. And already my friends have talked about the influence uh, they've had at, at Huddersfield in a short time. And that my mate said, uh, we've got our club back. So he's even said in the, the one month they've been there, they feel like they've got the club back. And like oh, yeah. you, I, I listened to their interviews. I, I saw that on YouTube behind the scenes. Um, and it, it, it's really interesting what he talks about. And it's all about process. It's all about players. He's, he talks about grit, determination, resilience, things we talk about in education all the time, of children, um, effort levels, so it's really interesting here, and, and 
um, they have a clear way of way of doing things and they stick to that and they're not really bothered what that looks compared to other people who have played at a higher level and become managers because they they believe in what they're doing and, and <laughs> their, their track record proves that it's working. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I, and I like hearing and listening and seeing what they do um, and it does give you inspiration. Um, they did a, unfortunately I wasn't able to get to it, but on Monday night they did a an evening with the supporters uh, yep. at a place in Huddersfield and the money all went to a charity. Um, and it's credit to them that early on already, the, 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 the connecting with the community, which they did at Lincoln City, so already they're connecting. And it, I'd be, I'm, I'm trying to look, see if the, it's been videoed, because it'd be really interesting to see how they approach that. Yes. Um, one of the biggest things they did at Lincoln is is connect with the community and get the, the fan base back and, and build... A, well, create a legacy and build an infrastructure that's going to go, live beyond, beyond ever beyond their time at Lincoln. So, without um, a doubt, without a doubt. I, so I think, yeah, you know, that, and that's a driving force uh, for me. Um, you would never say no to managing full time, doing something you love, uh, and getting paid for it. You've just got to weigh up. Um, I just think with education, you can go back into education. I love my yeah. I love my job as a as a vice principal and PE teacher at, at Penston Grammar School, but I can always yeah. go back. To that you might never get the opportunity to manage. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it, I, I think it also comes back to the environment that you go into as well. You know, if you, you you're clearly a meticulous planner, you clearly um, prepare. Uh, you know, you don't make decisions without preparing, and and in that instance, I guess it would be looking at the club and making sure that it fits with, you know, you from an ethics point of view, from a culture point of view, from people point of view. And what's their recent track record? Have they taken young, unproven managers on and bombed them out quickly, or have they got patience? Is it an environment that you think you can improve? Is it already at the top of what you think is a natural cycle, and the only way is down? And I, I guess you know that, that that would be the only thing, wouldn't it? Because I, I know. Um, you know, he won't mind me saying, but he's someone like Darren Kelly as an example. His first step into the professional game was at a club like Oldham Athletic, which, to be honest, is a you know an, an absolute madhouse of a football club. And, yeah. and 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 he's gone back down and done fantastically well in the non-league game again because he's a top coach and a top man. But um, you know, he, he probably in retrospect, and he said as much to me in discussions. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good move, um, but obviously some of those things maybe you don't find out till you get there. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's the only thing, isn't it? If you if you consider it, it is, and that's why I've not moved uh, before, even though I was offered because I just didn't get the feel that this was the right move. I didn't think it was going to um, achieve what I wanted to achieve for the football club and for me, me personally. Yeah. Um, and you've got to look at that. I know those things you say there. Uh, are completely right. Um, you've got to work in a culture and an environment that's going to promote success and, and longevity. And we're still getting a, a non-league as much as ever short-termism. So short-termism oh. of managers and going for, like people talk about the top level of the the, the Pardews, um, the Moyes, etc. That that Pulis, that cycle, keep getting jobs, Hughes. That it does happen at non-league as well because. These people, a lot of them, have invested their own money in that club, and they think, right, oh, do I want to give, 
risk that with a, a, manager, a young manager from lower down or do I go somebody who's managed at this level he's got some contacts uh, he's had a bit of success and I'll go, I'll go for him and a lot of people do like those safe hands if you like rather than going right let's be ambitious let, let's let's take a calculated risk and give give a, a manager who's proven himself over X amount of years at a lower level the opportunity to go manage higher so um, yeah, it's got to be right. It's got to be a two-way process. It's got to be right for, for the manager. It's got to be right for the football club. So um, I, I, when that opportunity comes, I'll take it. In the short term, it's about winning promotion with Preston Church. If we keep winning yeah. promotion with Preston Church, it, it, it sort of uh, takes that question out of the equation because then before you know it, you're step four, pushing on step three, and then you're at a level where manager clubs are saying even higher saying oh we'll take a chance for him or you're just saying right I'm a really good level of Pennington I'm really enjoying it it's family orientated yeah. long mate you yeah, yeah. So, I can see why you, why you would think that yeah so it's good good okay so a couple more things to cover um, tactics philosophy uh, the aesthetics of the game versus the reality of getting results uh, and accumulating points you know, what's your, what's your take on that? I don't like the word philosophy. Uh, I like the way that the non-league game is, is changing um, and is adopting different styles of play and, and is being coached better, players are being coached better, teams are being coached better, systems are being coached better. Um, uh, I sometimes have a problem with, you know, like um, big wild statements about philosophy and then people not following up on them. You know, I... I I see a lot of people talk about the way that they play good football or, you know, they like to play attacking, fast-paced football and then I watch them and I don't, my, my assessment of what they're doing is not, you know, is not consistent with that. So I'm really interested to find out, you know, what your views are on, on the balance of that and you're getting results. So whatever whatever answer you give here is going to be the right one. Yeah. No, it's a really good question. Again, it comes with time and experience and like the opportunity because I started, uh, lower down I had that opportunity to try and look at what I thought was the best way and the best uh, principles of way I wanted my team to play and yeah and I don't talk about philosophy but I have, a, I have clear principles how I want to play I have clear, clear principles how I want my players to conduct themselves as well yeah. and again it's, it's very built on, on values and, and my beliefs um, in terms of what you say there it, it has improved at, at non-league football Teams now do have a lot more identity in how they play. Yeah. Um, I don't always agree with some how they play. I think you've got to be be wary of the level you're at. So you've got to be under, understand the, le the quality of the pitches, although they have improved. Uh, yeah. understand and the quality of the players, and also the limited time sometimes you have with them. So I think you've got to you've got to take all that into consideration before you 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 produce or or you you impart your principles on your players so where i'm very much about um 433 um system three strikers not a uh, 451 or one striker two two wingers very 433 i want my most creative players and my goal scorers to get on the ball high up the pitch and have more of the possession than my defenders yeah. so we look to get the forward quickly with quality uh, very much a front foot team in possession so it's not about how many passes we make. It's not about possession. It's about possession with a purpose. It's play, playing with pace and purpose. Um, so we look to play in the, the opposition's half and the final third as much as we can. Um, in the midfield, three are very much like balance. So one holding and then two box to box with one of them 
who's got a little bit more creativity, who can break beyond and go go going behind. Yeah. Um, I like my two fullbacks to be very up and down and be attack attack minded. But remember that they've got number two and number three on the back, so they defend first. I was going to say, there's, there's not that many of them left, pal. No, there's not. And again, I've had. It's interesting. Again, in players, we've had two players. One who's now playing centre half, me, who's, who's 34, and he just said to me, he "said Look, I, I want to, in my head, I want to play how you want me to be right back, but physically, I'm unable to do that." But he's such a good player and a defender. We've moved him centrally. Uh, my, my, my left back got. Um, been with me eight years and he's got a brilliant left foot but he's he's not been able to get uh, be as attack minded and we've just got two young young lads have come in who've got released from the pro game and have dropped down one who's 21 is 19 and have got that fitness as well and they just do that for me brilliant they've got to learn a little bit of positional sense and, and the way I want to play defensively and how to defend the back post but in terms of going forward they're a real attacking threat and they've added real impetus in this play even more so than we've had previously and then uh, two centre-halves, their job is to defend, dominate both boxes. Um, I'm not interested in how good they are in possession. I want them to just be able to put it in good areas. I've said my goalkeeper, don't really out to the centre-halves or midfield come short. If it's on for a fast counter-attack, go to your full-backs, but put it again into good areas, into his, his front three, and then we'll pick up the seconds from there. Um, but I, we are an attack-minded signing. We scored under. 12 goals last season in the league so I very much believe in having the ball in the opposition half as much as you can and it's about passing with purpose and possession with purpose rather than for the sake of it so it's very much look forward at every opportunity yeah. uh, and once you get in good areas it's end product uh, we pride ourselves on set pieces I don't do anything again don't complicate it with zonal and marking it's very much mark accountability responsibility when you mark it uh, Attacking, I say to the people taking it, in-swingers, put it between the, the posts, around the edge of the six-yard box, allow the players to go attack it. Um, throw are, you, in, are, you just, are you just saying this to put opposition managers off the set of anything else you're doing? Or, or is that is that genuinely, that's it, you, you're looking for quality of product and repetition of that, that quality all the time? 100%. 100%. I like, I like listening to what the Calibre say about the taking things restarts from basketball but they've been working at full time so they have they number it their, their set right. pieces but they can do that through the week My, mine is very much about hey put it if you put good quality in and you take the keeper out of the equation and the players go attack attack it with conviction and bravery you're going to create more chances score more chances than, than you're not yeah. um, so we practice that that's what we practice like you say that repetition um, I think if you do simple things really well, it, it creates real quality. We, we have a real clear way of taking throw-ins in the final third and we've been doing it and it's now teams are copying how we do it, but they're just copying it, whereas we've been doing it, it's ingrained in how we do it and it works every time the ball's in play with us and then we get a crossing or a pass into the box, simple yeah. as that, and we've scored goals from it or we've created further pressure. Yeah, if I manage higher in a full time, spend more time, we'll look at that's that's throwing one, that's throwing two, that's throwing three. Yeah, it's about doing the simple things really well at our level. Yeah. And, and so we have that principle of four three three. But if if a team plays three five two, then I'll change tactically in that our front three will go right up on their back three. 
So if they play three, we'll keep our formation, our principles, but our front three will go right up in their back three and our wide, our wide of the midfield field go out wide and our yeah. full-backs will go with them. If a team plays... Uh, let's think of another one. If a team plays a diamond, we have a, we just adapt our, our formation uh, tactically. We don't change our formation because the players know that inside out. So yeah. all we'll do is on the diamond, our, our central striker will just drop in on the shoulder of the deepest midfielder. Yeah. Uh, our full-backs will come inside. When the ball's on the side, our full-backs will come inside and mark the, the wide midfielder there because they know our wide striker is going to tra- uh, trap the full-back. So... It's just giving the clear instructions what to do. We're still yeah. playing a 4-3. We're just changing it slightly because of the opposition we've got in front. So, um, and, and, I, and it is at our level. It's simplicity and clarity of message is so important because I only see, like we talked about earlier, I see them for an hour and a half at training uh, and I see them before match day, but I get 20 minutes in the change room. I get five minutes before kickoff, 15, 10 minutes at half time. 10 minutes at the end of the game. It's not long enough to go into no. complex. That's and not. We, and we play teams, who, and I, I love teams with identity, and, and, and you talked about it there. I like teams who stick to it. So teams who talk about we're going to play off on the back and play from the lines, and as soon as they lose a couple, they throw it out the window and they go another way, or they change formation three times in a game rather than trying to just adapt what they've got. Uh, and it just confuses players. And a number of our teams in our league are trying to play out from the back, which is, is credit to them, real credit to them that they're sticking to that. I just feel you've got to, like you say, repetition, practice, practice to play out from the back. And that's at the top level. The yeah. top level practice that, don't they, day in, day out. So at our level, you've got to really trust your players to do that. I think I think for me, if you've got um, if you've got enough good surfaces, you've got 80% of the surfaces you're going to play on a decent. I think if you get a really, really good pre-season in, where you've got, you know, dedicated time with the whole group, I think yeah. you can do it. This is my personal opinion. I think you can do it if you've got the right players. Um, the problem is when you try and do a half-baked playing out and, and, and a system of play that's based on patient possession and, and taking risks in areas of the pitch that you can get hurt quite quickly, um, if you do it half-baked, then it's, it's like anything. Like, if you do it, you know, half-hearted... It's you either got to go all in, or you've got to throw it in the bin and say, or or you've got to have a plan that's very very clear and takes it back to basics. Because you know I've seen teams try and play out with certain halves literally on their goal line, get yeah. pressed to death, and keep playing on a on a postage stamp of a pitch, a dust bowl with bumps all over it. They haven't got yeah. half a, got a chance, but the coach has been told this is what, or the coach has said to everyone, this is how I'm going to play. And um, like I say, I, I, I have done it and, and I think it's, it's doable with the right conditions. But um, it, it's, I don't want to make it sound like it's, you've got to go back to the safe option. But it's the reality of getting three points on a Saturday. What, what chance are you giving your group of players of performing at their best level against the opposition they play against? Uh, with the time and resources you've got at hand and you, what you've just said is... You know, it sounds very sensible, and as I say, there's no wrong answer when it comes to a question no, that you've on this. Because you're, no. you know, first of all, it's your prerogative. Second of all, you're backing it up with results consistently, relentlessly, season after season. So it's got to be working. Yeah, it is, and so 450 games I've probably managed competitively, and I've got uh, undefeated in 80% of those. So it's something that's worked, and I've stuck at. So I can't. I, 
but I can't, I don't want to, I can't sit here and preach because it's not right for me. Everyone's got to have the, and I think that's important. You've got to have your own identity, your own principles. You've got to have 100% belief in them, but you've got to get the belief in them of your players because they're the ones who got to do it. You could have the best tactics board in the league, but if your players aren't going to go out there and and produce and apply it and execute it, it doesn't matter. From an educational point of view, you could have the best eight-page lesson plan, but if you can't produce it in front of 28, 14-year-olds, it doesn't matter how good your lesson plan is. And I think that's that's important. And that goes back to, again, saying clubs, be patient with these managers. Give them time to in, instil their identity, their principles, their values and beliefs of playing. Um, and you go back to Cowley Brothers. Cowley Brothers will have a core group so a core set of principles from their Concord Rangers day they'll still have at Huddersfield but they'll have adapted to playing on 80% perfect services with players who have played in premiership players who have played international football so they'll adapt because of the level they're at now but I bet they still have a few principles from when they started to what they still have now I'd hazard a guess you're right pal I'd hazard a guess you're right Um, okay I'm not going to be able to cover everything I wanted to cover because, and we could no doubt talk for hours. Football, you, you clear your passion is is screaming out, and um, and your knowledge and, and the detail, and you know I, I love hearing you hearing you talk about the game. A couple of things to finish with. Um, Keith Hackett's your president now. Not everyone in this era will, will will be familiar with the name Keith Hackett, but I most certainly am because my father was a referee, uh, the guy who influenced my my love for football in the early days, not Keith Hackett, my dad. Um, and I remember seeing his, his book up on, uh, up on the bookshelf. Um, I remember him taking big games in the 80s. Um, I even watched something the other day on YouTube. Uh, there was a big, uh, a big free-for-all at Old Trafford between Arsenal and Man United. Limpar and Dennis Irwin started it, I think. And, uh, and Keith Hackett had to sort it all out, you know, nice. as, it, as it gradually... Like I say, turn into pretty much warfare rather than a game of football. Um, so obviously, a guy with big profile. I know he was head of the professional game of referees as well. Um, you know, what's it like having him around the place? And you know, I'm, I'm, my assumption is that it's got to be only a positive for the football club and for you personally. Oh, he's uh, he's very positive. Um, his connection comes from his uh, grandchildren playing for our junior sides. Wow. Okay. Uh, so the connection's there. And living in the local community, um, he took on the presidency 18 months ago, and he's a good figurehead. And you don't realise how much of a following he gets on on social media. Yeah, Huge right. following on social media, and his comments all about me, Dung, the football club, the players are all really positive. So he, that's exposing us as well to a wider field, a wider audience. Um, he has real. Uh, he still has. Um, business interests if you like in refereeing he's, he's very heavily involved in training referees in Asia okay. so he's, yeah he's very involved in that um, and he's very interested in looking at software and, and video analysis of games and, and they want to use us as potential guinea pigs for it which is great for me because you've got that analysis they'll do little player kit clips they'll do bias I want to see something on this they'll cut that down and they're looking for us to trial that potentially and do that for free over a period of time. So he he's bringing um, other things as well as just that sort of figurehead for the football club. So, wow. again, it's just another real 
uh, string to our football club's bow. It's not. Um, it just keeps. You think, right? Where are we going to go next? And, and we just grow. Um, and, and keeps helping along with that. Brilliant, brilliant. That's that's awesome. That's um, you know. I mean, I, I think. I don't know. Just, every now and then, you get people with a really big um, profile in the game who who operate at you know step five or step four or whatever and sometimes they disappear quite quickly because then you know it's not for them for whatever reason but it really feels like 18 months in he's he's had a, an impact on you guys and uh he seems he's obviously enjoying it himself i guess yeah 100 percent. he is 100 percent. and he and way he talks as if he wants to be involved for, for as long as possible really brilliant brilliant okay fine um just to just to wrap it up um go back to, to playing days um or th throughout your career, back through times that we're probably both familiar with, tell me some of the influences that uh, that you've had. You know, two or three influences, whether they could be teammates, managers, coaches, kit men, physios, chairman, whatever. Tell me two or three influences that have really made a difference to your football life. Um, I suppose the first two sort of youth team coaches are uh, Blackburn Rovers, uh, Alan Irving, who yeah. went on to manage. Chef Wednesday and involved with David Moyes at Everton in terms of professionalism, intensity, uh, expectation in terms of fitness. Uh, he he was he was our youth team coach, but he used to do all the running words and he used to be streaks ahead and he used to take real good care of himself and he was he was like that lead by example. Uh, the next one came along was Rob Kelly, who been at Wolves and managed Chef Wednesday and was at Preston. Yeah. He brought in, um, looked at ways really tactically. He, he was quite, when you look back now, he tried different things. He wasn't scared to try different ways of uh, of winning football matches and how to play. So that's in terms of coaching. There was then, um, in terms of, of, of players, there was, there was a, you play there's a couple of players at Halifax who uh, got the most out of their, I don't want to say limited because they play professional football, but made the most of what their assets were yeah. just by uh, their drive to be su successful, really, I think, and just to play. So it's the case of, right, they told me I've got to ice it every two hours, my injury. So they're setting the alarm every two hours for the night to ice their injury. And coming in and, and doing that extra and just those little things in your yeah and you look back now and there's little things that you influence as your manager the type of player you want in your changing move yeah. uh, is, is those sort of things I was obviously fortunate enough to play with Jamie Vardy when he was younger at Stocksbridge Park Steels yeah. and saw somebody who had unbelievable potential to go play high and you just wanted him to to focus on that rather than aspects outside of it and he did that uh, brilliantly when he went I think when he went from Halifax to Fleetwood and, and he, he I, I dropped down from professional game Stocksbridge and I'm, I was saying to people that Jimmy Vardy is better than most people I was with it as a 19 year old I was at, was at Halifax and a number of people at Blackburn and you could see the potential he had um, to do that um, I'm very fortunate in that Obviously, my brother played with him, and his best friend is my assistant manager, but also uh, Andy Ring, who's I've known since I was 23, so 17 years. Brett Lovell, who's involved with me at Penniston, who I've known for 13 years. So to, to get sort of 
lifelong friends out of football who have come with me to Penningston and helped and have played a major part in that success and and also people I can trust and we socialise away from it, that, that's had a big influence as well. That's it's really nice, it's a nice touch that you mentioned that. I, I think it's rare, I mean, maybe more so these days, I mean, I, I, I was a young, impressionable kid in, in non-league dressing rooms with some pretty big names and it was horrible most of the time. Um, the relationships between us were not anywhere near what you, you know, you wouldn't describe them in the same warmth you've just described that. I mean, obviously special sharing the journey with Duncan, your brother. Um, but I, I think I remember Andy Savile saying to me in the changing room once, he says, we were just like ships passing in the night. I mean, as it was, meaning we weren't, we played together for a couple of years and, we, and, and became decent pals. But um, he said, you know, I could be gone next week. He says, exactly the same could happen to you. And, um, and I, I always stick with me that. And I think it, 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 I don't, it doesn't feel like football's like that anymore. Um, but for you to have spanned your, your life in football so far and to have had the, 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 the term of service that you've had with those lads is brilliant to hear. Really, really quite heartwarming. It is. And like I say, you, you learn as much now as a manager from the negative influences as much as the positive influences. So you, I used to look at managers I had, non-league, and think, if I ever become a manager, I'm not going to manage how you did. I'm not going to do it like that. I think you treated people. And don't get me wrong, there were brilliant times back then and there were some real qualities and characteristics from non-league football when we played to now, which could still going about now, but not as strong, maybe. Yeah. Because a lot of players now are exposed to social media, exposed to a lot more games on telly and think they're, they're playing at the level they are. So they don't take criticism well. They don't understand how hard you have to work to be successful. Whereas players back then who were grafting in the day at the job and then grafting at night in football. Um, so there's a lot of, when you talk about the term resilience, there's probably more resilience and determination and grit back then than there is now. But I remember going to Stockton in the first change we had, it was so clicky and so oh, disjointed. There was the young lads here and then there was these older experienced lads who were picking up the money who were just creating a real negative atmosphere and I really said to myself, I don't want that person. it's about your attitude and your character before it's about your talent and ability and I've always I've always gone off that that premise and those principles that we talked about um, but yeah the, the, a lot, we, the game's moved on really well and I like a lot of things it's moved on and you have to go with that the times but there's still some things there that were really really strong and I think Sean Dice once said he said they're not old-fashioned values, they're just values. And yeah. the values we played that are really strong and should still be values now. So, um, it was because there was no text message, I remember there was no text message or anything. So, the the manager used to just trust that you'd turn up. Or there's yeah. no, like, what that groups were. And you, and you did, you used to turn up, in it together, fight, give each other a rollicking if you had to. Yeah. But then at the end, celebrate together. And then, yeah. like you see, she's past the night, but you... It was all about the win, wasn't it, and how we got that win. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I look back on them fondly, those days fondly, and I think um, some of the processes that I went through and you went through, your kids would have a more permanent resilience about their, about their life, about their characters, um, if they, they were subjected, I guess, to those conditions. But it's a risk thing, and, and obviously the tolerance of some of the stuff that went on back back in them days that, that we probably had, uh, kids kids wouldn't wouldn't you know they, they, 
they've not been exposed to it gradually at any stage. It would be like throwing a, you know, a baby lamb into a into the wolves pit. You just you'd have no chance, would you, for most kids? I think, and it's you know, I, 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 like you, I value it. I valued it, and and there was some. Well, I might I probably make it sound like they were all horrible. You know, there were some horrible buggers in there. Um, who I wouldn't have pissed on if they were on fire, if I'm brutally honest, afterwards. Um, yeah. But there were also some really good people and, and some, some, some things that I learned that definitely stood me in good stead, for sure. Yeah, and it was. It wasn't. And if you didn't... He could crucify some lads as well because of the sort of... the poison in there some, with some. Uh, we, ha we had a, a brilliant team spirit... Uh, at Stockton, the second one, young lads. Peter Binkovich was the manager. He was a young manager. We had yeah. like lost half there. Who's gone on? We had a real good, brilliant team to get togetherness, and he, I learned things from that. How to get that from him? Um, so there was, and I talked about Trevor Staunton, and, and he was old school. Um, and if you didn't have the right mentality in one of his change rooms, you 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 you'd get out quickly. That, that. But if you did have the right mentality. You love that that type of environment where he'd come in and he'd tear a, a strip off you, and his assistant would. So you have to get the players that your personality works with. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, I remember, remember like so Wayne Ben, Jason Maxwell, Andy Hayward. Um, yeah. It was it was a Cal Cup out wide who went to Accrington. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, some real characters, some tough lads in there. Some of, you know Wayne, Wayne's obviously a fantastic guy, fantastic manager, um, and but but I remember playing against him and thinking, you know, you, you just you know that these guys would do anything to win this football match. I mean, they would commit murders to win football matches, and I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't give it a second thought. Jason Maxwell was just that he'd do anything. He'd run through a brick wall. He'd he make sure any 50 he was winning. Any 60-40 against him, he'd win. Yeah, uh, and Wayne Ben was that like. Captain and sort of win him in the middle. And Haywood was just a goal scorer, just an absolute goal scorer. He yeah. just could pop and get a goal. He wasn't strong, he wasn't particularly quick, he was just very intelligent, had a great first touch and very composed in front of goal. But there were types of players that could uh, respond to uh, Trevor Stoughton's way of managing. Yeah. Um, so that's why it worked well. Um, yeah. That's what and the budget wasn't particularly big then. The budget's much bigger, but you know, Brad Park having I mean, got a massive budget, it's bigger now than it was back then. A yeah. lot more, a much more higher profile club than it was was back then. Yeah, for sure, for sure, mate. We could talk all day. We could talk all day. I, I'm going to wrap it up, up on that. Um, I think a few things that stood out for me over the course of that hour and twenty minutes or so. Um, uh, you, you, you talked about um, the way the players conduct themselves. I asked you about your football philosophy, and the second thing you said, I think, was about the way your players conduct yourself, themselves, and how important that is to you. And I think that really comes across with you, Ian. Um, you know, football and the team mentality and, and building effective football teams is, is you know, is clearly people. Is again, you know, take it back to teaching principles or whatever. But that that really comes across, um, and. And the other thing is your transparency. You know, I kind of joked about it a little bit more with your set pieces, and you know, the other the other managers in the northeast counties prem are going to be watching this, taking notes, as they should be, uh, if they're not. Um, but you, you, you've got a lot of confidence in your methods. Um, you're very transparent, very open, and willing to discuss them. 
Um, they're not they're not trade secrets because obviously you've got belief in the methods, belief in your players, and belief in your ability to to make sure that that you get them into a position to perform on a Saturday. Um, and that, I think that's unusual because I, I know a lot of people in the game who, who just wouldn't be would be more guarded than that, and um, it's refreshing um, and and certainly very enjoyable for me to listen to. No, I think it is, and just to, to summarise, really, it's I, it's very much about. Uh, I focus on people first, footballers second. So it's about I want them to conduct themselves in the right way and, and, and act in the right manner. And I want to develop them. It's all about improving. If you improve a player, you're improving your team, you improve your team, you're improving your performance, you improve your performances, you win football matches. On the other side is, yeah, I have real belief in my methods and, and way I want I want to do things, but I have real belief in the ability of my players to do that. Yeah. Um I trust them explicitly, um, and it's not. And we've talked about short-termism. I don't believe in high turnover. A player has a couple of bad games. I'm working with them. Why they're having bad games? If they're having three months of it, then you have to look at alternatives. But it's not like two games. You're out. I'm going to sign somebody in. It might be the internal rotation, and it's always worked well. And I'd like to think that's one of the reasons why players stay with me um, for a long time. Yeah, I was going to ask you before about what you were going to do with the two full-backs you've taken from the professional game who need to work on their defending, but you've pretty much just answered it for me. So, um, listen, Ian, thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed it. I hope people who uh, who, who log on and watch this um, stick with it for the hour and 20 minutes and, and haven't fallen asleep at my, my dulcet tones. Um, I, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of people out there who really enjoy listening to you speak about the game and, and about life in general. Um, wish you all the best, pal. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't see anything but you continuing to be a success in management. No, I appreciate it. And whatever the views, I've enjoyed it. So I appreciate it, Kev. Thanks for your time. Uh, Top wish man. You all the best. Cheers, mate. Top man. Thanks, Ian. Cheers. All the best. Thanks,